Hello from Los Angeles, and welcome to this week's Ageless Wisdom Mystery School. It's Michael Benner. Now in Los Angeles, as I say, it's very awkward for me after five years of saying hello and aloha from Maui, not to be able to say aloha. And everybody I've talked to about it says, no, go ahead and say aloha, it's okay. But you do get a lot of odd looks. So <laughs> I don't know. I don't think I'll be able to do that. I certainly carry the aloha spirit with me, however, even though we're in Los Angeles. And uh, we're rattling around in a empty house for the next couple of weeks as our car and our furniture is still on the boat. So consequently, this call may sound a little echoey. I've made a little provision here to try to reduce the echo. We'll see if that helps. And uh, also the replay is going to be telephone quality because the microphones are on the boat for a few more weeks. So, you know, usually like four to 12 hours after these events, uh, we switch to uh, CD quality. The podcasts are normally CD quality for this free forum and the premium training that follows also, uh, we switch those to CD quality. But for the next couple of weeks, we're going to have to deal with telephone quality until we get the mics off the boat. So this is the free forum for the next 20 or 25 minutes. And this program is podcast at the iTunes store and uh, found on other major podcast directories on the Internet. You can also listen to it streaming from the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School website, which is theagelesswisdom.com. The w's.theagelesswisdom.com. Click on Michael's webinars and then free forum, and uh, you'll see the whole archive, hundreds and hundreds of uh, programs in the Ageless Wisdom Mystery School, all about personal and spiritual development. Our topic for the day today here in the free forum and also in the premium training that follows is because you care. And this is really an introduction to the nature of conscience. Now, conscience is a word that sounds a lot like consciousness. Conscience obviously has a relationship with consciousness. Conscious is an odd word even in its spelling. It looks like the word science, C-O-N, science, conscience. But this is Jiminy Cricket type conscience. You know, let your conscience be your guide, that part of you that knows right from wrong, that knows what's good and what's not so good. It's really a function of your higher self, but not the ego. So when you have a battle of conscience, sometimes you'll think of uh, the archetype of the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. Well, the devil is the ego. That's the part that says, go ahead and do it. What the hell? Who cares? You're not responsible for them. So what if they get screwed over by your behavior? And Be selfish and go ahead and do whatever you want. That's your ego nature, and it's always fear-based. And it's the part that most people identify with for most of their lives. 
We do, of course, have a conscience, unless we're sociopathic or psychopathic, in which case people seem to lack the ability to tune in to their conscience, that part of their consciousness or awareness known as conscience. But unless you're a psychopath or a sociopath, and if you're listening to this webinar, it's not likely you are, then you have a conscience, and that would represent the angel on the other shoulder that says, now wait a minute, hold on here. Let's think about what's not only good for you, but for the greater good of all concerned. Let's consider the bigger picture and the larger implications. You know the right thing to do. It's interesting how many people really don't trust in the, how shall I say this, don't trust in the tendency, I'll say, of other people to want to conform to their conscience. I mean, religion, especially uh, fundamentalist Christianity, much of the presentation of the religion is based on do this, believe this, behave this way, or you're going to burn in hell. As if the best reason to be a good person is your own self-interest. Um, Christianity and fundamentalism is often portrayed as being about getting yourself when you die to this place called heaven, but very little awareness about the phrase and the only prayer Christ ever taught, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the idea of bringing heaven to earth, and that has to do, obviously, with the way you treat other people. It's not about getting out of here to go to heaven. It's about your responsibility to listen to your conscience part of your consciousness, to be aware of your own higher self, not merely the ego, but the love-based conscience, and work to develop an earthly existence that is heavenly, to bring the kingdom to heaven. For, again, as Christ said, the kingdom is within. So any religion that tells you it's about getting out of here and going to heaven and just leaving this mess behind, well... Maybe they're not wrong. Maybe it's best said they're just incomplete. I think much of <laughs> the arguments we have in life about right and wrong are about incomplete versus a little more information, which to somebody else who has still more information would seem to be wrong but is still just incomplete. I guess that's the way I feel about religion in general. I don't think any religion is wrong. But I think many of these beliefs are incomplete. And certainly, uh, if it's fear-based, if you teach love from the basis of fear, you're really not teaching the complete story of love. So there are these two selves. There is an egoic self, and there is a higher self. And that higher self we'll call conscience today, uh, or the higher self, or the aspect of self that is love-based. And that's the part that cares. That's the part that doesn't need to be threatened with eternal damnation and hellfire. 
It already knows the right thing to do. Many of us who are involved in social and political reform are accused of being hyper-political. I get it all the time. People say, oh, Benner, you are so liberal. You are so progressive. You are so far to the left. And I say, you know, I'm, I may be far to the left. I don't know. It's sort of a relative concept given how far to the right um, so many aspects of media and politics have gone. It's sort of a relative concept. You could be a centrist and be called a liberal these days. But the point is that I'm not really that interested in politics. I don't really believe that politicians are going to solve our problems. They're far too corrupt. They're already owned by big money, always have been. And now with these new Supreme Court rulings, Citizens United and such, it's even more corrupt. And politicians are not going to solve our problems. You know, Ronald Reagan said government is not the solution, government is the problem. I don't agree. I don't think government is the problem, but I do think politicians are a big part of the problem. And those of us who obey the dictates of our conscience, those of us who care because we care, that's our topic for the day today, because you care, because we're in touch with our conscience, what is seen by many people as political or a desire for social reform is simply a matter of the dictates of our conscience. And we feel compelled, many of us, to conform to the dictates of the conscience. In spite of what my reasoning nature might tell me, my thoughts, my logic might take me to a completely different place. For example, as a young man in choosing a career, my thoughts were saying, choose something where you'll make a lot of money. We hear success is often defined in terms of money. But I know lots of rich people who are not happy at all. I know some very wealthy people who also happen to be happy, but so many wealthy people who are ostensibly successful, but they're not happy. So if you've got tons of money, how can you call it success if you're not really happy? And we could set up other parameters for success as well. Nobody ever became a school teacher or a firefighter or a policeman or joined the military because they wanted to be successful in terms of making a lot of money. But you can be a successful school teacher because you measure success not in terms of how much money or property you own, but in terms of the difference that you make in people's life. And so these are people, apparently, or you might say obviously, who are listening to the dictates of their conscience. And that's what I did. I decided I wanted to be in radio. It was fun, it was exciting, and I wanted to do the news. I thought if I could be a reporter and get behind the scenes, I could tell the truth that wasn't being told. It was a bit naive, of course, because mostly what I ended up doing was reporting on inconsequential events 
rewriting press releases and doing stories about lost dogs and car accidents, but it led me to this field of personal and spiritual development, still asking the same questions, the who, what, where, when, why, and how of things, but in a more personal sense, emphasizing really why we think and feel and act the way we do. Those were questions I had that news stories were not addressing. So I went from my interest in journalism to an interest in personal and spiritual development to human potential. And I've always been able to find a way to follow that passion. But it's come from my conscience, which is a subset of consciousness or awareness. My logic, my intellect, my mental or reasoning ability never said journalism or personal development would be a great way to be successful. It said you have to do what you love. You have to be who you love and follow your heart to find your soul, to find your meaning, to live up to the purpose of being here, which is I think the purpose is to find the meaning. We've we've done programs on the meaning and purpose of life, and we will again. I think the meaning is to find your purpose, or we could say the purpose is to grow. The meaning is how you do that. And you do it by following your heart, and that's different for each of us to follow our hearts, to do what we love to do. If you're currently doing what you love to do, my goodness, that's... It's most likely taking a great deal of not only insight but courage as well. You know, to to have the courage to as well as the insight to know what you love to do, but then the courage to actually go out and do it, even though your parents are saying, What? You're going to be a dancer? You're going to be a philosopher? You want to be a school teacher? How are you ever gonna support your family on those wages? You see. Well, it's a reasonable question, actually, but as I say before, there are, this is surprising to a lot of people, but there are many rewards in life that money cannot buy. And to follow your conscience, the dictates of your conscience, is really to understand yourself better. It requires that you know yourself, that you believe in yourself. And that's just the beginning. Then, to care about what you care about, to do what you care about, to discern who you are based on what you care about, involves going out into the world, caring about other people, and helping other people, being of service to other people. This is one of the frightening things for me personally about the... Uh, romanticism around Ayn Rand and the virtue of selfishness. You know, a lot of people, they'll read Atlas Shrugged or The Fountainhead and get all excited. They see the movie and they get all excited about this whole virtue of self-interest, which in and of itself is not a bad thing, especially if it's integrated with community interest. But the virtue of selfishness, the idea that 
the family is an inconsequential institution, that caring for other people is a weakness, that poor people are parasites. This Paul Ryan philosophy, he now that he's been chosen to be the vice presidential candidate, he denies it, but you know, he's Ayn Rand all the way. His history is clear on this. This is why they want to dismantle Social Security and Medicare, uh, because everybody should be on their own, and we should not help the poor. And then to call yourself spiritual or religious or say you're a Christian, but you refuse to help the poor? Uh, you know, <laughs> Anne Rand was an atheist, and she did not believe in the message of Christ, and, and the meek shall inherit the earth, and blessed are the peacemakers, and, and, and these dictates of conscience at all. So the right wings have a real problem reconciling their positions in this regard, and so they're now backpedaling. And and uh, Paul Ryan is Ayn Rand. Who's Ayn Rand? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know anything about that selfishness stuff. And then there's Ron Paul, who is a libertarian. You know, is spot on in a lot of areas, like the whole idea of decriminalizing the war on drugs, and stopping the American empire, and the perpetual war all over the world, and um, he's got a lot of great ideas, but, you know, he named his son Rand after Ayn Rand, and at the roots are this worship of selfishness, that the individual is what matters, the individual is the only thing that counts, and just to hell with everybody else, you're all on your own. And then to elevate that as some kind of supreme philosophy is antithetical to the conscience. It's, it's, it, it, contradicts the whole idea of listening to that higher self, that wiser self that says, you know the right thing to do. And it's always caring about other people, being of service to other people, wanting to help other people. So that's pretty much what I wanted to say in terms of introducing this topic here today, this idea of because you care. And I would ask you to ask yourself, especially if for some reason you're not able to follow us to the premium training in about 10 minutes from now, to ask yourself a couple of questions. What do I care about? What do I really care about? I mean, I could say to you, ask yourself, what do I love? What do I really love to do? But problem is, the word love is so overused and has so many meanings that many of those meanings have been lost. So, you know, what does it even mean when we talk about love? And how many people really understand love as a spiritual energy? What does it mean to love your enemy, for example? That's an obvious contradiction. Christ said it because it's so confounding. And it's a deliberate attempt to confuse you and to make you ask yourself, yeah, what makes someone an enemy? And why would I want to love somebody that wants to hurt me? You see, we think of the opposite of love as hate. 
In fact, the opposite of love is ignorance and fear. And so to love your enemy is to refuse to be afraid of your enemy. I mean, if if a terrorist terrorizes you, he has succeeded, right? So when the people who claim to be on your side want you to be afraid of a terrorist, whose side are they really on? I mean, are are you following? Are you following that, right? If the leaders of our own government want you to be afraid of terrorists, it seems there's a grand conspiracy. Why don't our leaders who claim to be Christians want us to love our enemies? Well, because most people don't know what the word love means. We think of what? You're going to walk up to Al-Qaeda guy and give him a big hug and ask him to date your sister or some such thing. It has to do with refusing to frighten and refusing to be afraid of. It has to do with respecting everyone, even people that are frightened and confused, who do not know you, who do not understand you. It has to do with the dignity and the respect, that, if not the trust, certainly dignity and respect that we need to grant to everyone. I'm sort of with Reagan on trust. <laughs> you know, uh, trust but verify, that kind of thing. So trust has to be built, it has to be earned, it has to be developed. But dignity and respect, these are concepts that a lot of people are confused about. Many people think respect is fear. That to cause someone to respect you or to make someone respect you, they have to be afraid of you. You need to frighten them. You know, like the schoolyard bully. Well, if you're 13 years old, respect may equal fear, but you're not 13 years old anymore. You're supposed to grow out of that, right? Not aspire to be the president or vice president of the United States, promoting torture and war and, and, and jingoism and militarism as if it's a solution to our problems. Yes, we want our enemies to respect us, to be afraid of us. No, that's not, that's not respect. Respect has to do with love and consciousness, not romantic love, not emotional love. And so because we confuse love as a spiritual energy, love as understanding, consciousness, or awareness, with emotional love, it's a difficult word to use when what we're talking about is consciousness and conscience and awareness, you see. And so respect makes it a little bit easier, but we still face some of the same challenges. Respect is a quality of love, not fear. If you want some to, somebody to respect you, you treat them with love and kindness, treat them with respect, you get respect in return. Remember, you reap what you sow. Whatever you want to receive, you give that away. I mean, in a practical sense, after 9-11, you say, well, how in the world do you love your enemy on September 12, 2001, right, when this nation was just catatonic with shock, didn't know what to do. I would say it would start with understanding. 
Ask yourself, why would they do this? Who did this and why would they do this? What is our foreign policy? What is the nature of the target? Why did they hit the World Trade Center? What does that represent? And New York City, why did they choose New York City and the World Trade Center? But the problem here is many people confuse reasons with excuses. And they say if you look for reasons, you're really looking for excuses. And if you offer reasons, then they'll say, well, that's no excuse. Well, of course not. There's no excuse for what happened on 9-11, but there are reasons. So let me say that again, because that's hard for a lot of people. There's absolutely no excuse for what happened on 9-11, but there are reasons. That is a difficult concept for many people. So because you care, that you care, speaks first to your very identity. You are a being that cares. And sometimes you're afraid. Sometimes the ego rocks. The ego will take over. And you'll see respect as fear-based. And you'll be interested only in yourself, so-called objectivism and Ayn Rand and self-interest and self-esteem and even pride in a distorted sense. Moderate amounts of pride, appropriate pride, Integrated self-esteem and self-interest is a good thing. A good thing when it's integrated with community interest in the greater good. It's not this or that, it's this and that. The ego loves separation. It lives in a separated world. Everything is either or. And all differences are opposites to the fear-based ego. But your caring part the conscience that is part of consciousness lives in a you-and-me world. And both things, all things then become true. Self-esteem, appropriate degrees of pride, right? self-pride, self-respect, good healthy self-image is important so that you can be a better servant to your fellow man men and women, humanity, and the animal kingdom, and the plant kingdom, and the mineral kingdom as part of the one life. And you realize, from the point of view of the conscience, the higher self, the caring part, that there's only one of us here, the one life. If this sounds interesting... Join us for the premium training. If you're already enrolled, I know you'll be there. If you haven't yet, jump over to theagelesswisdom.com. The W's dot theagelesswisdom.com. Click on webinars and then premium training, and you can sign up for a single class or a quarter or a full year with your bank card in about 60 seconds. You'll get the URL and the password to join us for the premium training, and we'll see you over there in just a few minutes. And in any event, thanks for being with us today, either live, streaming, or by podcast. Have a wonderful day, a great week, and we'll talk to you next week. So long from L.A. and the Mystery School. This is Michael Benner. Be gentle, love life, and take care of each other.